Praise God. Aren't you grateful for the gifts in the body of Christ? And I'll tell you, it, it just ministered to me uh, as, as the Holy Spirit was moving upon these young people. You know, the thing that it really spoke to me was freedom. You know, and, and just the freedom to rejoice before the Lord. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I look at these kids go through this dance. I tell you, I, 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 I wish I could dance like that. I wish, I wish I could do that. How many have ever seen somebody said, I, I know maybe I need to repent from envy. And, but, but I, uh, you know, I forget one time I was in an aerobics class. And I think I was shamed and humiliated because I got in the intermediate aerobic class. And I didn't know that it was a kind of a choreography kind of a thing. And they were doing this. And and the worst thing you could do in an aerobic class is get into an all-mirrored room. When it's all mirrors, and I got into this, and my wife and Jared and David at the time, Aaron wasn't born yet, but they were laughing their heads off. Because they, they would do this, and, and then they would turn around and do this. And, and I was sitting there looking at them as the crowd's coming to me, and I turned this way, and then they went the other way. And... After five minutes of total humiliation, I realized that's not my gift. And I went out, and the, the uh, head lady that was over, overseeing this thing, she said, hang in there, Ray. You can do it. I said, right. You know, and so it, it was a... <laughs> you know what? I, I just I admire their moves, and I believe that God uses. I'm so glad that God's beginning to move in the body of Christ in the area of the arts, you know, and really allowing the church to. There, there's an expression that's even nonverbal. God uses even our bodies to glorify Him in nonverbal ways. Amen. And so I love what David did in the Bible. David danced before the Lord with all of his might as they were bringing the ark of God back. And you know what? Michael sat up in the window and despised him. I never want to have that despising attitude. I want to always have a receptive heart. Amen? Amen. I want to just take a a couple minutes this morning. Um, I just want to talk to you. I told my wife, um, I was up all night. It was an interesting night. I never got one ounce of sleep last night. The Lord is my witness. I'll be honest with you. I'm physically wiped out. I, had, I have no problems, but I couldn't sleep, and the Lord kept waking me up. I went to bed at 10 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, and the Lord says, get up. So I went into this other room, and I'm waiting on the Lord, and I, I, I didn't hear anything. I, 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 I was just waiting, and... And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to learn, in one time, he says, I want you to learn to relax and rest in silence. I want you to learn how to be still and know I'm God. I don't want you to come to prayer always thinking that you have to have some big gargantuan word, lightning strike, or... So I want you to learn to realize that even when there's silence, I'm there. I'm there. When I was 10 years old, 1965, 
I was in my bedroom. Actually, I came home from church. We come home from church, and you know, I saw people singing, worshiping the Lord. I was an observer, and I just thought, well, we're just kind of. I'm just here because mom and dad are dragging me here. I'm just kind of come because mom and dad are pulling me in. Ray, Ron, let's. It's time to go to church. I don't want to ask for a number of hands that that's ever happened to, but I remember going. I remember Pastor Iverson. He was a young man, probably in that time. He was probably in his mid... Oh, our kids can be dismissed. I didn't know I was to, to dismiss them. I'm sorry. Our kids can go. But I was in 10 years old, and as a 10-year-old, I... Uh, was watching people pray and worship. It was during just normal worship service. And Pastor Iverson got up and he says, if you will ask the Lord to open your heart. If you just ask him and really open your heart. And just say, like Samuel, here I am, Lord. Can, can, can I always say that? Here I am, Lord. You know, sometimes when you've had a bad week, you need to say, Lord, here I am. You're just, you're, you're, you're posturing yourself to receive. As a 10-year-old boy, I remember this experience. I don't know what it was, but something had its, there was some kind of a weight or something that was on my chest. I remember this sensation. I wasn't looking for any sensation, but I sensed just a weight on my chest, and I felt the presence of God. I felt him. And I, I didn't know what to do about it, but I remember saying what my pastor said, here, here I am, Lord. Open my heart. And immediately the presence of God. As a 10-year-old, I will never forget. I'm 63. But I remember the Lord laying his hand. Now, I've, I've said that other times. I haven't always experienced that same sensation, and you won't. There's a reason why. Because God doesn't want you to get trapped into thinking that he only moves in one way. But while I was there, the Lord just laid on my heart that I'm with you. I'm going to be with you, Ray, all the days of your life. I will never forget that. I will never forget his hand on my heart. And it was gentle. It was a hand that comforted me. I knew Jesus was real. The Lord wants you to know he's real. You know, I'm gonna, I want to just take you into a passage. It's in 3 John 2. It says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. How many of you know that the battles we war against or wage are often in our mind or in our heart? Our hearts can be a closed heart. We can have a wounded heart, a broken heart. We can have a heart that is closed, or we can have a soft heart receptive heart and that heart comes by coming to know the one who loves you 
Today we live in, a, in, a, in, a, in an age of restlessness. We live in a time where people are in a, in a serious stage of decision. 64%, George Barner brings out a recent poll, 64% of born-again believers do not believe in absolute truth. That is a sloppy belief system that basically says that the commandments of the Lord are not relevant. It also says that maybe Jesus isn't really the only way. Maybe there's other ways. How many of you know that if you're going to experience eternal life, Jesus must be the only way? But you cannot be coerced by force or fear. He doesn't do that. He draws you with his love. He loves you. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to take you back into a little scripture in the first Chronicles chapter 4. Would you turn me with me just for a few minutes? First Chronicles chapter 4. Actually, Jesus, can I lay my Bible on you? <laughs> Forgive me. Keep, keep sleeping. But I, I want to I read something to you. I, I thought this was really kind of cute. When it comes to a prosperous soul, because I want to talk just a little bit about changing your destiny. Do you know that the Christmas season was not just about Jesus coming and being born in a manger so we can rejoice that Jesus is born. He came so our destiny could be changed. God wants to give you purpose and destiny. Amen? And the beauty of Jesus being born in a filthy barnyard. He was born not in a palace, not in the comforts of a home. He was born in a barnyard in a manger, which is a stinky, bug, flea-infested place. I was raised on a farm. I had a barn. My family had a barn. We had pigs. We had chickens. We had cows. And it stank. It stank. It always stank. But that's where Jesus was born. Do you know why? Because he wants to reach the stinky places of your life. He can bring life to the worst. He can bring hope to the stinkiest, rottenest, Right where feces is, right where the stink and the stench. His love is so powerful. His grace is so divine that it reaches right into the place that we are ashamed of. We're hurt. And he heals us. I was reading it. I got this little story. It's, it's called A Man Named Jack. It says, there was a man named Jack walking along a steep cliff one day and He accidentally got too close to the edge and he fell off. On the way down, he grabbed a branch which temporarily stopped his fall. He looked down into his horror. He saw a canyon falling straight down for more than a thousand feet. He couldn't hang on to this branch forever. And there was no way for him to climb up out of that steep wall or cliff. So Jack began yelling for help hoping that someone would pass by and hear him and lower a rope, saying, Help! Help! 
Is anyone up there? Could you turn me down just a little bit on the stage? Thanks. Is there anyone up there? And he yelled for a long time, but no one heard him. And he was, going, he was about to give up when he heard a voice saying, Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You, you mean God? That's me. God, please help me. I promise if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll really be a good person and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Uh, ease on the promises, God said. Jack, let's get you off the cliff and out of this so we can have a chat. Now here's what I want you to do. Listen real carefully. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do, okay? Let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch and just trust me. Let go. Then there was a long silence. And finally Jack yelled, help! Is anyone else up there? I thought that was cute. Jack didn't like what he was hearing, so he was asking for someone else. But there's a man back in the Bible. Here, Jesus, I'm going to put this right by your head. Back in the Bible, there's a man. Some of you might have heard this story. It's a very familiar, very short verse. It says, there was a man who was of the tribe of Judah. His name was Jabez, who was more honorable, it says, than his brothers. And his mother's called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain, and Jabez called on the Lord God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me. Indeed, enlarge my tent, or my territory, that your hand may be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, so that I might not cause pain. Notice his prayer. Lord, Help me. Strengthen me, Lord. Bless me, enlarge me, and keep me from evil, so I will not fulfill the destiny of what my mother said I would be. His mother called him Jabez, which means he who creates or causes pain or trouble. What a horrible cloud that young man had to live under during his life. He lived under this torment that he was a pain. He was a problem. He was an issue in his family, and he caused his mother pain. What a horrible thing to live under. That's called, folks, a generational curse. But you know what? Somewhere... In Jabez's history, the, the Bible doesn't give anything else about this, but somewhere Jabez heard a good report. How many of you know that the gospel is a good report? And I love at the end of his prayer here, here, he says that after he got done, it says in the end of verse 10, God granted him what he, was, what he requested, and he was more honorable 
than all of his brethren. How many of you want to have a life of honor? You want to have a life of honor. You want to have a life that's blessed. Well, here's what the gospel is. This is what Christmas is all about. Jesus just didn't come just so that we can experience a birthday. His birth, actually he was born so he could die, so we would not have to die in our sins. Jesus made a way for us. And here's the reason why. Because he loves you. He says you're special. And if you will open your heart, you know, Jabez could have chosen to be bitter. Jabez could have just ranted and he could have gone back and forth. You know what? I'm such a sad case and you don't know where I've come from. I have a mother who called me Jabez and I'm wounded and I'm hurt and and I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm bitter. And I just, I can go on and on and on and on. But Jabez chose, the Bible says, he called upon the name of the Lord. Somewhere he heard the good news. And as 3 John says, that it's God's will for us to prosper and to be in health. How many of you know that if you don't like the crop because of the seeds you're planting, how many of you know it's good to maybe check the seeds and plant some different seed? I don't like the crop I have in my life. Maybe I don't like the fruit that I'm bearing in my own life. Maybe I'm not really happy. Maybe things are not turning out. Maybe I ought to look at the seeds. What kind of things am I sowing? Here Jabez chose to hear from God, and when he heard the word of the Lord, it began to give him hope. He opened up his heart and he says, You know what? I'm not going to blame my mom. I'm not going to blame my circumstances. Lord, where sin abounds, God is greater. I choose to believe you. Now, I want you to turn over with me into the book of James chapter 1. I want you to see what the Bible says because Jabez had a word from the Lord. And I want you to see what James chapter 1 says. Verse 25, because this is what the Word of God is. How many of you read your Bible? You know, the Lord spoke to me last night. He says, tell open heavens that we need to get into the Word of God. We need to not only get in, not just read it. Don't just get into a Bible program where you're reading the Bible through the year. Do you know there's times that I read a verse or two, and it takes me three months to digest two or three verses. Don't get in a hurry to read your Bible. That's not, we're not in a race here to read the Bible. So say, well, praise God, at the end of December, I read the Bible through and through. What did it say to you? Well, I don't know. But I read it. God wants you to know, he said, he actually wants to speak to you out of the verses. Now notice what the Bible says about itself. And this is powerful. It says, verse 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. What is the Word of God? It's a liberating, powerful force to set us free. He didn't say the perfect law of bondage. It's not the law of boredom. It's the law of freedom. Jabez begin to read or hear the word of the Lord, and it set him free. And guess what? A man who's free 
knows how to call on God, and God turned his captivity. He broke a generational curse on his life. And the Bible says he was honorable, he was blessed, and he was enlarged, and the favor of God was upon him more than his brothers. Do you know what the gospel does? It elevates you. Everyone say elevate. You're going to begin to arise and shine. You're going to be an awesome employee. You're going to be a magnificent husband. You're going to be a phenomenal father. You're going to be an amazing neighbor. You're going to be a a trustworthy, faithful friend. You're not going to be a sourpuss. You're going to be a man who has an optimism with a future in your hand. There's going to be an anointing that's going to cover your life going before you and coming behind you. And people are going to say, I like that guy because he has a freedom and he has a liberty because he's looking into the perfect law of liberty. Now notice what it says. And continues. Everyone say continue. He doesn't just read it. He continues. Now the word, don't, don't, get, don't stumble at the word law. It says the law of liberty. The word law there just simply means your established walk. It becomes a conviction or a way of life. It's called a law. In other words, how many of you know it's good to stay in the walk or in a path of freedom. I want to stay in that path. The law of liberty means that it's a boundary. It's a path. It's a focus in my life. I'm not going to go to the right nor to the left. Anybody that comes in and tries to deviate me and take me away from that freedom, I'm not going to go. Because there's a law in my life. It's the law that is not governed by fear, but it's a law that draws me and it's called love. You know what? I am in love with my... Go- Honey, would you stand to your feet? I want everybody to look at this gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful... Kind of, please, just honor me, would you? Thank you. Isn't this a wonderful woman? She's a better woman than I am a man, but I'll tell you one thing. When you're in love, you want to protect the relationship. That's called a law. But it's not a law. I'm not loving her because... I'm afraid of her. I love her because I know something about her and she's worth sacrificing and giving myself for to her. And so it, it has to be a law of liberty based on love because faith works by love and we continue in it as, and is not, not forgetful. How many have ever forgotten something? This morning I forgot a song. I forgot I was supposed to start on a song. I'm so grateful that David doesn't remember all these things, but I forgot. On the third song, Ray, you were supposed to start. I forgot. Guess what? I hope you didn't notice, but aren't you glad the Holy Spirit moved anyway? But I forgot. I forgot my part. David is so gracious. He doesn't even look at me, give me a star. He just keeps playing. Praise God. Dad's over the hill. He's okay. Praise God. I know where Dad is. It's kind of la-la land, but he's going for God, you know. He's so full of grace. But here James says that he continues, not forgetful, but he's a doer of the work. This one, everyone say me. 
this one will be blessed in what he does. How many of you want to be blessed? God wants to bless you. Now, the perfect law of liberty is based upon three things. And I want you to jump my closing scripture, and I'm done. John chapter 1. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Because, see, it all comes back to Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. The law of liberty isn't just a bunch of rules and principles and parables. No, it focuses on Jesus. And in John's Gospel, chapter 1, if I can get there, Lord, thank you. Amen. Praise God, my Bible is like a suitcase up here. Notice what it says in the beginning, verse 1, was psychology. In the beginning was my friends. In the beginning was my college education. I'm not putting any of that down. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Let me tell you something. If your beginning starts with the Word, you're going to end with blessing, favor, greatness, prosperity in your soul. But my beginning, that means that I every decision I make, it begins with the Word. My plans, who I marry, begins. Do you know this Bible will teach you how to find a good partner? This Word will teach you not to get into a partnership in business. This Scripture, yes, if you want to know, I'll give you scripture later. This, this Bible will teach you how to be a success because you serve. It teaches you how to prosper. It teaches you how to build healthy relationships. It teaches you how to have a long life. How many of you want a long life? It teaches you how to raise kids that will, that, that will soar. That doesn't mean they won't stray off the path. At times, even Jesus, even our Heavenly Father, in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, God put them in the garden. Guess what? They strayed. But God provided a way for them to come back. But in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing that was made, that was made. and Him was life. And the life was the light of men. If you want life, you have to have light inside. If there's darkness here, you're going to stumble. You're going to find yourself making decisions that you'll regret. So I need light in here. Everyone say light. This is the light that points to the life. This book is not ink on paper. This book by itself is nothing. But it's the living Word. It's what we read and how the Holy Spirit takes what we read and it becomes flesh in my life. And that flesh, when I begin to walk that Word out, I begin to experience the freedom and the liberty that He wants me to have. And jump down with me. It says, verse 5, And the light shines. Even right now. There's light shining right now. 
through the preaching, teaching, living the word, maybe it's serving or loving one. When the light shines, it says it shines into the darkness, but they didn't comprehend it. Do you know why they don't comprehend it? Listen to me. Mark chapter 4 talks about the parable of the sower. When the sower went out to sow seed, it says, immediately, Satan came and stole the seed. Anytime, do you know that Satan comes to church? He sits right next to you and says, you know what, this preacher, he's boring. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm smart enough. I know where I'm. I don't need nobody. To, I'm making my. I'm hurt. I'm mad at God. Oh, there could be a, so many decisions, so many things in your mind. Do you understand that Satan plants thoughts in your head? I've seen people. I've heard of this over years. Thirty years of ministry. I've been in ministry for. 30, I've had people say, "You know, Pastor, I don't understand. My wife and I, we go through hell." On Sunday morning. I don't know why it is. We, we get up. I mean, Monday's fine. Tuesday, yeah, we have up and down week. But every time Saturday and that Sunday, all hell breaks out for some reason. We have no idea why. All of a sudden, I just, for some reason, I just get extra tired on Sunday morning. I just, I just don't, I don't want to be at church. And they have no idea how Satan is planting seed in their head. It's not you. But you know, the more you come to know the perfect law of liberty, it gives you, I want everyone to say this word, it gives you discernment. What does discernment mean? It means the ability to know right from wrong. To know darkness from light. To discern the, the demonic versus the Spirit of God. How many of you want to have discernment? I need to have discernment to understand, is this God? Or is it the enemy? How many of you believe the Holy Spirit would keep you from reading the Bible? How many of you believe the devil would love to keep you from reading the Bible. How many of you believe that, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit would keep you from your relationships from the body of Christ? Would the Holy Spirit say, run from the church, or run from your, run from your wife, run from your responsibility? The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Because God is a God who always brings people together. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But you'll never know the difference if you don't get into the perfect law of liberty. You think you're smart. You think you, know, you, think you can choose the right husband. I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you how many times I have people in my Pastor Ray, I found the right person in my life. I'll say, are they a believer? Well, I really don't know. We don't pray. We don't seek the Lord. We don't really read our Bible. But it just makes me feel so good all over. Hallelujah. It's got to be God. You know what? When people are in that frame of mind, you can't change their mind. All I can say is, well, I'll be praying for you. I've had this happen. Two, three, four, five years later, somebody comes back in our office. This happened actually several years ago. Comes into my office. Pastor Ray, I hated you. Oh, I hated you. 
You didn't bless what I wanted, but now I'm back to tell you I was wrong. All right, can you give me some script? Can you tell me how to get out of this relationship I'm in because it's tormenting and killing me? I said, listen, I can't put you together. And for who God puts together, he doesn't take a center. I'm not going to pray that you separate. You're in a situation where God can still work, and he will work. But at the time, how many of you know that God can still use our mistakes? But boy, do we take a whipping when we make dumb decisions. And it takes discernment. This is what the word gives us. And that's what Jabez had. Jabez had to discern, to choose, am I going to be bitter? Or am I going to look to God and see what He's really saying to trust in His ways because He's a God who gives honor. He gives blessing. He's a God who takes those who are cast out, those that are broken, and He restores, He rebuilds, He makes new, He gives beauty for ashes. I choose to believe what God's Word says other than what my mother said and she says I'm a pain. But God says I can be honorable and blessed. And I choose to trust You, Lord. I call on Your name this day and I ask Ask you, Lord, to confirm your word in my life and make me a blessing. God will answer your prayer. I love this. Down in verse 11, it says, He came to His own, but His own would not receive Him. Do you know God is coming to you, some of you, Maybe one of you, maybe none of you today, but I believe he's coming to all of us. He's coming. The question is, will you receive him? Will you open your heart and receive what his word says? You may say, Pastor, the pain is too great. There's too much water under the bridge. I don't know if I can trust God. There's a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. The beautiful thing about the Lord is he's so patient. He loves you, cares about you. He will wait for you. Like the father who had a prodigal. He waited for him to come home. And when he came home, the Lord, the father came and wrapped his arms around that son, kissed him, and received him back. How many of you know it's good to come home? You're never really home until Jesus is in your life. You're never home. You'll never, ever find that place where home is until Jesus is Lord. But notice what the Word says in verse 14. And the Word became flesh. This is is how we prosper. The Word becoming flesh and dwelt among us and we beholding the glory. What is the perfect law of liberty? It's beholding the glory. God's glory. It's his, his goodness. In closing, I want to just give you three things quickly. The perfect law of liberty involves revelation. When you read the Bible, you're not just reading history, parables, and principles. You're reading the revelation. It says that Jesus was the manifest glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It gives us revelation, which leads us, number two, to relationship. Your Heavenly Father wants a relationship with you. And then thirdly, 
the perfect law of liberty leads us to transformation. He's not going to leave you the way you are. I want to read a, just a short little thing. This is from Abraham Lincoln. I really like this. It's entitled, Whose Side Are You On? It says, During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. Lincoln was uh, going to church periodically, but not often because of his responsibilities as a sitting president. But he was a man of deep and at times unorthodox faith. At one point, one of the ministers spoke to me and said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. Lincoln's response was this, no. Gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. It's not, Lord, will you bless me in my ways? But rather, Lord, am I on your side? Not God bless me, but Lord, help me to get in your way and in your will so that the blessing will rest on my life. God never promised. It says in Proverbs, it says, there are many plans. There are many plans in the heart of man, but only the Lord's plans will stand. There are many plans. In America, there is an American gospel that is of the people, by the people, for the people. By the way, that's not a kingdom mandate. That's an American mindset. God never promised to bless your plans He will only bless his plants. Jabez discovered that the blessing of the Lord comes when I align myself under the canopy of his divine covering of authority. And he blesses you. Amen? Amen. Can you bow your heads just for a minute? I believe God wants to bring us into this new year and he wants, to be, wants us, desires for us to be people that are grounded in the word. People that understand his ways and his will. And here's why. The Bible says in Psalms that thy word, O Lord, and your will is not grievous unto me. But they are perfect in establishing all my ways. God's plan in his will is to help you behold his glory. He wants his glory to rest on your life. That doesn't mean you won't have a life of trouble. There will be times of trouble. There will be times of pain. But the Bible says also that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth you out of them all. He delivers. Everyone say, he delivers. Maybe this morning you need a breakthrough. Maybe this morning you need peace. Maybe this morning there's been a cloud over your life like Jabez. Lord wants you to know he's a God, he's a Father who stands near to respond to you. If you respond to him, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Amen? Maybe that may be you. If any of you feel that way this morning, just raise your hand. Just let me see your hand. Lord, I need, I see your hand. I need the Lord 
to come and fill me with peace. If there's any of you out there, just say, Pastor Ray, I know I'm not on the right path. And I know that the Lord has something much greater, but I've made some decisions without discernment, without carefully continuing in the perfect law of liberty. And I need the Lord to bring direction, presence, confirmation as I find myself, come back into that plan and purpose of the Lord. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I would just want to pray for you. Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? See your hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand to our feet now? Let's, let's just stand to our feet. <clears throat> How many of you are just thankful for his presence this morning? I mean, I, I tell you, there's such a rich anointing here. I, I just sense that. And you know what that anointing is? It's, it's his love to comfort you. Do you know why Jesus said, I'm going away that the comforter might come? Listen to this. It's because he knew that you're going to be walking through a lot of uncomfortable situations. He comes to comfort the uncomfortable. And here's the thing. He knows you're uncomfortable because pain is part of the purpose for changing you. I wonder if Jabez would have experienced that place of honor had he not gone through that. You know, sometimes we despise our past when God uses our past of pain to launch us into destiny that we would have never even thought of. God will use the things that you despise and you hate and things that have hurt you the worst to launch you into something because no weapon, past, present, or future, will be able, no weapon formed against you can ever prosper. But here's the thing. I've got to open up my heart. It's not about just reading your Bible more. It's not about coming to church more. It's simply tweaking my attitude. How many here have ever tweaked your attitude? You changed your attitude and all of a sudden something just opened up. It's not about making it, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do this. and I'm going to go to church because I have to tithe. I've got to go to the prayer meeting. God help you. Jesus said, come to me, all ye that labor, and you're heavy laden. I will give you rest. Some of us have just been fighting battles. You're just fighting in things that you shouldn't even be fighting in. Remember Jack? You're hanging on a cliff. The word of the Lord was what? Let it go. Let it go. Can we take each other by the hand as a church body, church family? I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray this morning that we would come to experience the revelation like Jabez and like John who learned to rest. Some of us need to learn to stop striving and learn to enter. Rest is something you enter into. But you enter into it with a focus on the perfect law of liberty. And it's a liberty based on a solid rock that's unshakable. 
your world may be shaking, but he's not shaken. And he wants you to trust. The Lord is my rock. Father, we thank you. We thank you today that your grace abides where sin or falter or failure or things break down. You always abide. Lord, we thank you that we can draw close to the throne of grace in the time of need to obtain mercy. And I pray for those who lifted their hands. There would be an encounter even today of your presence where they would go out of this place knowing that Jesus has met me, changed me. I can't describe it. I don't understand it all, but I found him to be real. For God is real, and so is heaven. And all my sins have been forgiven. God is real. This I know. Father, we just thank you today. Go with your people. These are the sheep of your pasture. They do not belong to Ray Galligan and never will. These are your people. I'm a steward in this house only. But Lord, I pray that you would be with your people. I pray for a divine encounter of your presence. As your heads are bowed this morning, last night the Lord gave me a picture of a heart And the heart had a lot of fat around it. And it's what the Bible refers to as a dull heart, a calloused heart. And I saw the Lord gently just begin to take the heart and soften the heart. And he was beginning to heal the heart. And there was blood flow in the heart. And the Lord was causing a flow of peace, a flow of rest. He wants you to seize from your own works and stop striving. Let go and just trust in him. You may say, well, pastor, I don't see anything happening. Don't look for something like that. Just trust him. Learn to rest in him. I know that it takes time to learn to just lay things before God, but as you do, you're going to experience His peace prevail and take dominion over your mind and you won't be under anxiety anymore. It's amazing when you spend time with God. It's powerful. It's so powerful. (laughs) Anyway, Father, we just pray that you be with us today. Strengthen us. Lord, we thank you for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give someone a hug. Be blessed.